I'm so fucking glad it's not fucking Leo season anymore. <laughs> God. Uh, All hail Virgos. <laughs> They're my closest friends. Uh, 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 me and the Libra Virgo cusps. Welcome back to Kicking and Streaming, where you, sir, are an ass. I'm Carrie. I'm James. <laughs> you are. I am. Actually, my name. <laughs> and this week, we are talking about the 1996... Great year. Yeah. Stop motion animated feature, James and the Giant Peach. Me and the Giant Peach. Yes, guys. It's Ross's birthday month. Oh, you know what? Oh. It is James Ross McMichael's very own birthday month. My full government name. I feel so privileged to be here. Thank you for having me on the show. <laughs> Before we get started, everybody, don't forget, go follow us on Twitter at Kick and Stream. K-I-C-K-N-S-T-R-E-A-M. You can write the show at Kicking and Streaming Podcast at gmail.com. That's with an and, not an ampersand. And people do write us, folks. Yeah, they do. <laughs> they really do. Uh, yeah. And please be practicing the three R's. Rate, review, retweet. Rate, review, retweet. <laughs> retweet. <laughs> we want everyone to go on Twitter and join this little watch party. <laughs> Guys, if you haven't gotten Ross a birthday present yet, you could always go over and leave us a review. It really does help other people find us. Yeah, I know. There's only one one-star review, and Apple won't let me see it. <laughs> <laughs> the rest are five stars across the board. Go on over and do that for us, guys. That means so much in lieu of a birthday present. Or, you know, you could actually, guys, since it's my birthday month, okay, I wanted to let you know that there's never been a better time to give us your money. Because, you see, for just $5 a month, you too can be a little onion contributor at the $5 level on our Patreon. Mm -hmm. Guys, we're doing all of our bonus coverage over there, all of our long-form coverage, all of our television coverage. We did every single episode of HBO's John Adams and Netflix's haunting of hill house for last year and we've got big long form plans coming oh they're coming uh. the plans <laughs> we haven't started planning yet <laughs> and it's no. a monumental task to do long form but oh, i can't i can feel the stress Carrie, rising in my body Carrie, you did 500 minutes of content with john adams and even more with haunting of hill house i know over that was like <laughs> three to four months of work so of double the work all right let's ride this peach baby i'm so ready uh-huh this is core <laughs> we've been saying that a lot lately this is core to me uh oh no me too and like you know what guys I don't have a theme this birthday month. No. We're just kind of a, oh, God, we need to do that potpourri. That's uh -huh. what we're doing. <laughs> and I've got some great, great selections <laughs> for y'all. And by great, I mean can't wait to put Carrie through the other three. I know. Because uh, you guys are going to be so excited for it. I'm very, I'm very happy. From Walt Disney Pictures. Papa James. Comes the wildest. Holy shit, Weirdest. You enormous buds! Fascinating, isn't it? Most exciting motion picture adventure of the year. He's gonna cut me in half! Let's get out of here! James and the Giant Peach. 
The story of a daring explorer. Where are we? His extraordinary friends. We're lost. This is all your fault. You blithering nitwit. Bite me. Have you two gone mad? you. And a bizarre world where anything can happen. It's a giant shark. Disney Pictures and the director of The Nightmare Before Christmas invite you to go over the edge. Good heavens, he's committed pesticide. And beyond your imagination. Is it not beautiful? The place where dreams come true. Wahoo! James and the Giant Peach. Ah! 1996, very good year. Almost as old as I am. <laughs> <laughs> to channel Bilbo. <laughs> uh, yeah. You're, oh you're what, 1100 this year? Yeah, no, I feel 1100. Guys, James and the Giant Peach, it's just timeless. Isn't it, though? 27 years strong, and this feels like it's from a million years ago. The, guys, this is just a confluence of... Confluence? Yeah? Is that a word? Yeah? Okay, I won't quibble. Guys, this is just such a confluence of so many great things... I have to, no, I have to let Carrie look it up Word so she'll stop shaking her head. I'm not shaking my head. I'm you just... did. I will swear on a Bible, a Torah, and a Quran that you just did. Confluence. There is no definition for confluence. Yes, there is. Confluence. Definition. My God, we're wasting time. Confluence, a junction of two rivers. Okay. Where I've heard it used before in professional... I don't want to quibble. You do! <laughs> you keep stopping! I'm going to say it again. <laughs> no, I'm not going to be able to say it without laughing. <laughs> I don't want to quibble. <laughs> All right, I've got to close my eyes. This is just such a confluence of so many different great things that I love, from actors to producers to music, like... This was one of the VHS tapes that was worn out the most. Mm-hmm. I busted it at one point. Did you really? I busted the back of it. Oh. And, you know, just being a kid. Not be, not being being rough with things, you know. <laughs> Let's watch Changing the Giant Peach. Again? Again. Again. <laughs> and, yes, based on the novel by Roald Dahl. Oh, boy. Number one, Confluencer. <laughs> Confluencer. Our first confluencer. <laughs> <laughs> Raw doll, yes. Uh, guys, we've done a couple of Raw doll things here on Main Feed before. Matilda. We did Matilda. The witches. We did the witches. Raw doll is famous for writing about how adults will not always protect you. They won't. As a matter of fact, they will actively work against you. Yeah. It came out, the novel came out in 1961, um, and it is about. A boy who had many dreams living with his two parents, James, and then they were all dashed when those parents were horribly murdered by a rhinoceros. Oh, no. He is then sent to live with his wicked aunts. And then one day, a man gives him some magic crystals, they burrow into the ground, and a gigantic peach grows on a barren peach tree (laughs) outside his home. And yes, he rides a giant peach all the way across the Atlantic Ocean to the city his parents dreamed to take him to, 
NYC. You forgot the part about the anthropomorphic bugs. Yes, with colossal insects. <laughs> and the, the the this adaptation of the novel, I'm sure Roald Dahl would fucking hate it. He, he was famously always hating the adaptations of his novels. Why would you keep selling them yeah, to Hollywood? Yeah, quit signing the papers, Roald. Like he hated he hated Willy Wonka. That was all the way back in the '70s. All right, I'll give it another chance. All right, I'll give it another chance. <laughs> oh, that money's just too good. <laughs> <laughs> it is, isn't it? God. Isn't it, Rawl? And folks, we want to welcome back director Henry Selleck here with us today. He's been with us once before when we covered The Nightmare Before Christmas. Hey! Which he also directed. Yeah. And as we all, as you know by now, this film is half animated, stop motion, half live action. Yeah. So I say half. It's mostly stop motion. Yeah, wow. But we got some good transitions. <laughs> Produced by, you fucking guessed it, Number two, Confluencer. <laughs> we have Tim Burton, of yes. course. He is a producer on this film. And he also led the hand of Skellington Productions. Yeah, that was the name of the production company. That's like one Back of the, into Henry Selleck's hands. That's like one of the last things in the credits as they go by. And I'm like, Skellington Productions? I know. The movie just turned 27. Aww. Yeah, I know. Oh, Carrie. What? Oh, it lost... Oh, it lost it, money? It only lost a million dollars. The budget was $38 million. They didn't even... Actually, it only lost about $300,000. Oh. Just shy. It just almost made its budget. Made $37.7 million. Wow. I know. And I just, this is just... This is home. Mm-hmm. You know? This is sitting on that awful brown shag carpet in the living room in uh-huh. front of the big entertainment center with that clunky television <laughs> and that beat-up VCR. Yeah. And opening this, v- this you know... This... Clamshell plastic case. Yeah, like... <laughs> uh. So, folks, you might have guessed it, but we have got names to boot. Oh, my God. Uh couple more confluencers here. <laughs> Portraying our protagonist, James Henry Trotter. We have Paul Terry. Yeah. And like, what perfect casting. <laughs> this kid did a great job. Mostly a voice role, but like... Yeah, but he's still, he's so cute, and he's so anguished, and he's so endearing. My name is James. You just want to give him a hug the whole time? No, yeah, he. it's very... He's effective. He's very, very yeah. effective. Um, the only other thing that is of note for him, really, is he's on a children's sitcom called Micro Soap. Oh, okay. From the late millennia. It's a BBC thing. I don't even, I can't even tell from looking at it what it's what it's about. Isn't he a math teacher now? He is. He is. He gave up acting, like, right after this. <laughs> after he did Micro Soap, he said, I'm good. I'm done. And now he's a math teacher in County Durham. A very cute math teacher. He's adorable. He's an adorable adult. He's an adorable man. Like, portraying Aunt Spiker. We have the deliciously lovely Joanna Lumley. Not in this movie. I'm sorry, put some respect. Dame Joanna Lumley. Dame Joanna Lumley in this movie lives on the shelf in my nightmares. Guys, she's Patsy Stone from Absolutely Fabulous. (laughs) (laughs) She's been with us before. She's Lady Model and Everglot in Corpse Bride. Ooh. (laughs) (laughs) Do you suppose your father and I like each other? Surely you must... A little. <laughs> of course not. <laughs> God. She's the evil stepmom in Ella Enchanted, but we d- we haven't done Ella Enchanted, which is still a crime. I was watching stuff from Ella Enchanted last night. 
Were you really? Yeah, I was watching the Somebody to Love sequence where they're in the land of the giants. She's in Wolf of Wall Street? (laughs) I don't remember that at all. Well, she's terrifying in this, but (laughs) she's effective. This is such effective casting. As Aunt Sponge. Yeah. Yeah, the other silhouettes. Uh, She's actually been with us before here on Kicking and Streaming when we did. Little Shop of Horrors. I love it. She's the she's the dental assistant. <laughs> I love it. Um, she's also in. Ooh, she's from that '96 Baz Luhrmann Romeo and Juliet. You mm-hmm. know she's the nurse. Mm-hmm. You know she is. She's Professor Pomona Sprout from the Harry Potter saga. In two of the eight, she was robbed. Um, <laughs> she's voiced in Mulan, Happy Feet. She's done a lot of stuff. I I I love Miriam Margulies. She's so foul. I and know. She's proudly loud and foul and gay and she's just perfect. Posing right. nude on the cover of whatever magazine that was like at the age of, I don't know, what is she in her 70s by I, now? I don't know, but like she's a treasure. I love her. She is a credit to Australia and Great Britain. That's all I gotta say. Portraying uh, the magic man that's the, the name his character's given and he's also the narrator. We have Pete Postlethwaite. R.I.P. Oh, yeah. Gone 12 years now. I feel like we've done something with him in it, but I can't remember what it was. I don't know what it would be either. Usual suspects. We Uh, didn't do that, but like, you know. No, I remember. I love that movie. He's in The Professionals, Still Lives, Distant Voices. He's an English character actor. You've definitely seen him in things. Mike Starr is the cop in New York. Wait, isn't he the guy on The Office? It's that episode right after- He's the mafia boss. Yeah, he's the mafia boss. And that is the only thing I care to mention, really. (laughs) I thought- he was Bob Vance, Vance Refrigeration. No. But it was a different office character. <laughs> For our voice cast here, and oh, what a voice cast. The voice of Mr. Grasshopper is Simon Callow. He has been with us on the show before. He's Monsieur André in uh, Sh- Schumacher's adaptation of The Phantom of the Opera. <laughs> He's also Monty Python and super gay. And like, I know him from Amadeus. He's Wolfgang's like loser artist friend. That's right. He is in Amadeus. That is correct. Voicing Mr. Centipede, we have Richard Dreyfus, Which I'd never know. I, I know. I, 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 You've seen Richard Dreyfus in things. I think. Well, well, you like Close Encounters of the Third Kind, right? I mean, I know of Third Encounters of the Close Kind. <laughs> close Encounters of the Third Kind, yeah. Okay, and then he's also in Jaws. Yeah, I guess. He's in one version of Oliver Twist. I can't remember which one. It might be the Elijah Wood one. American Graffiti. Yeah, American Graffiti. He's famous for that. And the Goodbye Girl. It's just and Stand by Me. He's the adult. He's the narrator in Stand by Me. Well, of course he is. Yeah. But like, you listen to this voice performance, and I'm like, that's Richard Dreyfus. His singing voice is provided by Jeff Bennett. He's the voice of Johnny Bravo. No way! Yes, he is. As in, do the monkey with me. He's also Dexter's dad in Dexter's Laboratory. Oh my god! Yeah, he's Kowalski in Penguins of Madagascar. (laughs) Well, this sucks. (laughs) Voicing Mrs. Ladybug is Jane Leaves. We love her as Daphne Moon from NBC's Frasier. Yes, we do. We also love her as Joyce Groggs from TV Land's Hot in Cleveland. <laughs> Golden Girls 2. <laughs> Golden Girls 2, Lost in Cleveland. She's the Dorothy character on Hot in Cleveland. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I love Jane Leaves. Daphne's the maid, right? On Frasier, yeah. On Frasier. The fact that he has a maid. I know. I like, come on. She's not exactly a very conventional maid, though. Doesn't she end up with someone she ends up with Niles yeah his brother yeah that's right <laughs> David Ide Pierce yeah. yes 
Voicing Miss Spider, please welcome her back to Kicking and Streaming. We have the wonderful, intoxicating Susan Sarandon. She was with us when we covered Rugrats in Paris. Yes, she was. She's Coco La Bouche. <laughs> yeah. She's quite obviously Janet Weiss from the Rocky Horror Picture Show. <laughs> I was feeling down here. Oh, no. Couldn't win. She's Is she Thelma or Louise in Thelma and Louise? I think she's Louise. I... I'm pretty sure she's Louise. Gina Davis is Thelma. Um, I am not sure. Voicing Mr. Earthworm is David Thulis. 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 I, I think it's Thwellis. like Lewis with a th on the beginning of it. Thulis. Thwillis. Thwillis. Uh, whatever. I don't know. I love him to death. He's Professor Remus Lupin from the Harry Potter saga. Mm -hmm. yeah. Oh, guys, he's the shame wizard on Big Mouth. <laughs> I, how could I fucking forget? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I just... <laughs> I know, that whole show. So, that whole show. And folks, we absolutely must get to the content. Oh, sorry, Miriam Margulies also voices the glowworm. Oh, really? Yes, yeah, she does. She's Miss Glowworm. That's a twofer. Is she, and why Why wasn't Joanna Lumley a twofer? I don't know. Uh, but who would she have been, I guess? She I could do. have been the spider, but I like Susan Sarandon better. Exactly. Uh, this might very well be the reason I love strings the best. Is oh, this movie really? Because this movie is literally older than me. Mm -hmm. I've always had it. It came out right before I did. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like literally right before I did. <laughs> That's great. And so it's like one of your earliest memories, right? One of, yeah. Because I'm four years older than you, so I would probably have also been asking for that movie probably when you were just a wee thing. Mm -hmm. And literally one of the first things you hear in this movie is this opening number with the lonely violin. The violin just does something to me. The way I'm beginning this film, without mentioning the greatest confluencer here, is this film's composer, <laughs> Mr. Randy Newman, <laughs> who has been with us before. <laughs> many times. Many times on Kicking and Streaming, <laughs> Bugs Life, Toy Story, and soon to be Home on the Range. I know, we gotta soon do Soon to be Home on the Range! Oh my god, he's just great with a film score. He composes all of the music. Isn't that crazy? It's so crazy. And like, obviously we have our narrator. This is James Henry Trotter. He lived with his mother and father in a cozy little house by the sea. Hey, I've got ya! <laughs> Happy birthday, darling. Now quickly, blow them out before the wind does. I'll make a wish first. And like when they're all laying on the beach together by the lighthouse and it's very calm and the, the sun filter is killing your eyes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> like you can barely see them. They're laying, they're laying by the sea and they're looking at this travel pamphlet for New York City. Yeah. And they're showing him the Empire State Building, the tallest building in the world, and that they're going to take him to live there. Yeah. And it's a, what a wonderful place it is. That's where we're going. A great ship that will take us across the ocean and we'll go right to the top of that building. The three of us on top of the world. Are there any kids there like me? Hundreds of them. It's a wonderful place, James. 
a city where dreams come true. In the novel, something really horrific happens in the beginning. They literally go to the London Zoo, and James's parents are mauled by a rhinoceros and killed. Only they save us this horrific scene in the film. Everything goes dark, and the wind picks up, and there's a storm in the sky, and this rhino. This, Carrie? <laughs> yeah? When I tell you that this triggered something so deep within me. Uh-huh. Because I have not seen this in that long. The fear? I was alarmed. Uh-huh. I almost got up to go do something else <laughs> while I was watching this part. You're like, I can't handle this because it's so scary. They kind of metaphorize, I'm making that word up, the rhino in this movie is like a big scary storm cloud. And it's just so ferocious looking. And I want to hide under the bed. I truly do. That troubles if they had any at all, we're over in 35 seconds flat. But James's troubles were just beginning. And when he wakes up and it's obviously a dream. Yeah. And he keeps that travel pamphlet underneath his pillow. Because his reality is no longer loving family, is it? Yeah. He now lives with his cruel and evil aunts. Spiker and Sponge. Two of the most unpleasant women who have ever or will ever walk the earth. For now, he lives here with Aunt Sponge. Get up, you lazy little bug. And Aunt Spiker. Already wasted four minutes of daylight. Look at him, lollygagging in dreamland when there's so much work to do. Weeds to pull, wood to chop. Work, 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 work. They are so unpleasant, I could just collapse in on myself. He is basically their slave. He's the male Cinderella, except in this version, there is no fairy tale prince on the way to save him. Work, 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 work! The most arbitrary things they make him do, they're so cruel to him, there's never a kind word. I it's know. It's fucking disgusting. I know. And like, the, these two, I swear, when they're sitting in their wigs all dressed up at the table, <laughs> and Sponge is looking at herself in the mirror. <laughs> the cracked mirror. I look and smell. <laughs> I do declare. Feast your eyes upon my face. Observe my shapely nose. Behold my heavenly silky locks. And if I take off both my socks, you'll see my dainty toes. <laughs> but don't forget, my dearest sponge, how much your tummy shows. They're so ugly, I can't stand it. Both within and without, like... Tim Burton silhouettes, if there ever was one, like... I also love that in this movie, we're constantly on, quote, outdoor sets. Like, it's... it's <laughs> we're obviously on a soundstage. There, there, there's been no real attempt to make it look like we're actually outside. My thing is the house. Yeah, I know. The house that is lazing off the side of the cliff. <laughs> How tiny you can tell that it is yeah but it's <laughs> tiny so it looks like you have to go that much farther up the hill <laughs> and like honestly the ants in addition to making him a slave are also so cruel about his parents death like they're constantly taunting him about the rhinoceros coming to get him what evil fucking scumbags like he has nothing just labor and a hard wooden floor to sleep on at oh night oh my god <laughs> and this is where i wrote Oh, it's a musical. <laughs> yeah. I forgot. How could I forget? And his, he, he comes in from working all day. And then they're like, all right, you want to eat? 
You're hungry? Oh, take a look in the oven. And it's just baked fish heads. It's, ugh, that's the part of the fish you're not supposed to eat. He's literally forced to scrape an empty potato chip bag out of the garbage for some scraps for food. And, like, it's so sad. He takes it up to the room, and he just takes it apart and starts licking the inside of the bag. Well, it's like, awful. And, like, Carrie. What? He's looking through the light through the window, and he sees a tiny critter crawling around in the window. And Carrie. Yeah? When he gets up on that chair. Uh-huh. The way he lights up. Hello there. Where did you come from? You know, you probably shouldn't build your web up here in the window. Spiker and Sponge might see you, and they hate spiders. I'll be your friend, though. He has nothing good. He, in his life, he's a miserable little boy. And he's so excited to meet this bug that's making a web in his window. And this cute little spider, this real spider that it, it looks like a real spider. It is. They put a fake back on it. How'd they do that? Carefully. <laughs> I just, I can't. It's the, the little bulbous black and white striped abdomen on it. Yeah, like the Tim Burton spider. I could just cry for years, Carrie. Friends with a spider. I know. And this is where we get the song. My name is James. My name is James. It is. It is my legal first name. My name. James, that's what mother called me. My name is James, so it's always been. And guys, it's no vocal performance, but it's so sweet and dear. Like, this child had his parents taken from him and now knows no tenderness or love. He just wants to get away from all the evil that is brought upon him and go to New York City where his parents said they would. When he takes out, he has to pull up the floorboards to, like, get out his crayons, the scant amount of toys and precious things that he has to hide from the ants so they won't take them from him, and starts drawing on the inside of the potato chip bag. I know, I know. I wept. I know. I haven't seen this movie in so long, and I just wept for I, him. I also cried. He draws he draws the pictures on the old chip bag and turns it into a lantern. Yeah. And then he lets it float away into the sky, and he closes the window and goes, Good night. Pleasant dreams. And then cut to awakening Spider trying to kill his new friend. Oh my god, that's the thing. Spiker and Sponge seem like tough bitches, but the way they are about bugs... Well, the way they keep house, you wouldn't know it. Yeah, I know, for real. Or the way they make James keep house, you know? When Sponge comes bursting in the room with the insecticide or whatever, or the <laughs> yeah, I, it's like it's for bees. It's like a smoker. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah, yeah. And then James knocks Sponge down the stairs. <laughs> That's a great sound bite. <laughs> and the spider has ended up on Sponge's face. Oh no! Get it! Get it! Get it! So James takes the spider outside so that she will be safe from harm and. He's like, you gotta go on and get out of here, man. Get far, get as far away as you possibly can. I wish I could. Hello, strange old man who knows my name for some reason. Yeah, this weird, mysterious old man comes out of the nothing and literally propositions him with a life change. 
What would you say if I told you that the answer to all your problems was right here in this chip bag full of crocodile tongues boiled together with the fingers of a young monkey, the gizzard of a pig, <laughs> the beak of a parrot, three spoonfuls of sugar stewed for a grand total of 27 days. That's some Harry Potter shit. This old man, like, he says... Go on, James. Have a look. There's more magic in them things than in all the rest of the world put together. What are they? Crocodile tongues. Tongues? One thousand long, slimy crocodile tongues. These crocodile tongues, they're like green and glowing and they're wiggling. Why they're crocodile tongues, I'll never know. They're crystals in the book, but... I just, I don't know, it's creepier this way. <laughs> like, don't you want them? Take them. And I'm like, you're fuck, get out of here, man. <laughs> like, he is on something. This old man says he will never be miserable again, young no. James, if he takes these slimy things away from him. It does not make a lick of sense. <laughs> this is the thing. The, the old man is basically saying... If you take these crocodile tongues, marvelous things will happen. You will get to NYC, kiddo. Yeah, you're going to make it. I promise. But the thing is, is that he has to keep close hold on them. Yeah, he says, don't let these things out of your sight. Now listen to me, James. Don't let them get away, because if they do, they'll work their magic on whoever or whatever they meet first. Understand? Good. Why is it scary? It's, it's so scary. He turns into smoke. <laughs> he turns into smoke and goes away. I just... Like, I just, like, I'm immediately... Like, obviously, it's not been great since the beginning of the movie. But, like, that just took it to a whole new level. And, of course, guys, he drops these things right away as he's going back up to the house. <laughs> it's the first thing that happens. And they all just... Hop away, the crocodile they, tongues! They all escape and burrow into the ground beside an old dead tree out front. And the aunts are coming outside to chastise him for not doing chores. And they're taking him inside to beat him. Like, <laughs> that's certainly what's about to happen. As Sponge is yawning... Spiker! Look! A peach! A what? A peach! There, on that branch! Why, that old tree's never had so much as a blossom on it, let alone a... Well, I'll be blowed. There really is a peach there. A nice big one, too. How can we get it? The boy. They make James climb the tree to get at the peach, and he's almost reaching out for the peach, and the peach starts to grow. It's making the most disgusting sound as it's getting bigger yeah. and bigger. But, like, it just, you expect that maybe it's going to stop, but it just keeps going and going and going. And, like, what a peach. <laughs> what a peach. <laughs> and, like, they all jump back because the peach is now trying to take the tree down with it. Yeah, no, it just keeps getting bigger. And it, like, touches the ground. It's bigger than their house. I know. Oh, <gasps> It's a miracle! My heavens! My... And so now, from a grifter's point of view, the first course of action is, of course, to turn this into a tourist attraction. They start to sell in tours! Yeah! 
They do exactly that. They build a fence around the peach and start charging admission for people to see it. It's like we're at the county fair or something. Yeah, and James is just watching from his window with one tear in his eye, and I'm like... Uh, he was so hoping to, like, actually be able to socialize with other kids. Oh, no, yeah. When he's like, I was hoping to play with the children. And they're, like, counting all their money. And they're like, oh, the children are gone. But you can play with the garbage they left behind. Yeah, they give him a stick, a sharp stick, to go outside and pick up all the garbage. And he's walking around the peach. And he, while he's picking up trash, he can smell the peach. Like, he's so close to it, and I swear to God, Ross, I can feel it on my cheek. Carrie. The peach, the fuzziness of the peach and the smell of it. He decides, fuck it, and takes a big chunk out of the peach. Because I, I bet he hasn't had a fresh piece of fruit in, like, years. <laughs> Just chip crumbs. And as he is going to take a bite of this peach, one of those crocodile tongues comes out of the clear blue nothing and jumps into the bite. As soon as he's taken that, what I'm guessing is a tasty fucking bite. Uh-huh. And then... <laughs> Because life isn't already weird and awful enough. <laughs> a glowing portal appears where he tore the chunk out of the beach. And he, as he's crawling up this tunnel that suddenly appeared in the side of the peach. He's like in silhouette. It closes behind him. I know! <laughs> he's like a black silhouette climbing up this tunnel and we see like this magic light go around him. And now he's stop animation. Yeah, now we're in stop motion, guys. Oh, my God. And as he's going up this tunnel, he can hear these voices at the end of it. <laughs> and, guys, this is going to be the majesty of Skellington Productions. <laughs> oh, Tim Burton. I can see why this film traumatized my generation. He falls into the hole of this peach and is introduced to a gaggle of giant anthropomorphic bugs. This first part is fucking terrifying. Because remember, the old man said they will wreak their magic on whatever they meet first. And clearly, the crocodile tongues came into contact not only with the peach, but also with these bugs. That also managed to be by the peach. Were they all in the tree? Is they, that what happened? They must have been on or near the tree. <laughs> the tree sucked up the tongues, and then they all got in the peach. There's no need to be frightened, dearie. But you're enormous bugs. Fascinating, isn't it? We've all changed. And so have you, James. <gasps> Yo, man. The one he gave me the green things. He said marvelous things will happen. So let's talk about our bugs for a second. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we have the grasshopper. I feel like the grasshopper is kind of the de facto leader. Yeah, no, he's yeah, he's very knowledgeable with his monocle and his very nice dress. <laughs> I wrote intellectual artist. Indeed, indeed, <laughs> very much so. And then we have the centipede, who is the mouth. Yeah, That's no. what I wrote. 100%. He's from Joyzy, right? He's, or something he, like that? He's, he's a con man. <laughs> I can feel it in my soul. He's always got the stogie. 
And the and the pork pie or the cabbie hat. Yeah, the cabbie hat. Yeah, absolutely. And then we have Mrs. Ladybug. She's just got nice old English lady vibes. Mm-hmm. Like has her knitting with her at all times. She's your auntie that you go to the South Coast to see. Yes. <laughs> and then there's the earthworm, who is the embodiment of anxiety. He is. He is. He is a catastrophist. And then we have the spider. Miss Spider. The yes. spider from his window is here. Mm-hmm. She's the only one who knows his name. Yeah. It's James. Yeah, yeah. And I'm tucking the hair I don't have behind stop, my hair. Stop, stop. Do she... not call that spider hot right now. Why does she sound like that? It's Susan Sarandon. Like, all of her eight legs, she's, like, very French-styled, so she's wearing a beret. She's wearing a fucking beret. And all of her eight legs have really long, high-leather boots on I them. Like... <laughs> that is one fuckable spider, it says Carrie. <laughs> Oh, my God. And then last but never least, we have the glowworm. <laughs> an actual glowworm. <laughs> I think she was like She's... an opera singer or in another life or something. All of the random refuse that has been affected and put into this peach. I know. It's like it's giving uh, cats, you know, it's just like a junkyard, you know, inside <laughs> yeah. of a peach pit, you know. And guess what? They also don't like it here. What a fucking surprise. Well, they've just been introduced to their own anthropomorphism, so... <laughs> Let's get out of here! You mean leave the hill? I can't. The rhino will get me. Rhino? I say, dear boy, I've lived on this miserable hill for decades. There are no rhinoceri here. Except for Sponge. She's twice as big as a rhino, eh, kid? <laughs> Yeah, these crocodile tongues made them sentient beings, and they're like, we do not want to be here anymore. <laughs> yeah, like... like Just like James, they want to get the fuck out of Dodge. We're kind of sick of this hill. Yeah. Nothing's alive up here. <laughs> <laughs> this and, is the first living thing we've come across, is this colossal peach. And James magically has the travel book from New York City in his pocket. He didn't put it there. It's just magically there. Yeah. And this is where he's like, wait a minute. We should go to New York City. There's a literal map in there now. With a picture of the peach on it. Literally. And a little dotted line. (laughs) And this takes us into That's the Life for Me. Cue the Newman. (laughs) Bright lights, big city, that's where we gotta go. Where the food is great and the bugs are so pretty. I like to get my arms around a hundred or so. I'd hug them, squeeze them, hold them tight. Sleep all day, dance all night. I want the bright lights in the big city. That's the life for me, yeah. Carrie, I just have goosebumps. This unlikely group of singing actors performing to Randy Newman tunes. <laughs> it sounds like a dream I had. Like, it just, uh, I'm so elated during this. Like, oh, you're right. It just brings something out in you that they've all found each other. And they, yeah, and, they, and they've all got their own things they want to do and their own ideas of happiness. That's the life for me, you know? And they think it can all happen in New York City. Concrete jungle where dreams are made of. There's nothing you can do. <laughs> It would be wonderful, wonderful. That's the life for me. That's the life for me. There's no pile of dirt. That's the life. That's the life. That's the life. That's the life for me. I love how that last note gets cut off by Where are you hiding, boy? <laughs> At the centipede. Time to go make a pest of my 
myself. <laughs> the ants are out in the yard looking for him, and the bugs literally think they're here to exterminate them. And so the centipede decides to go up to the top of the peach where it's connected to the tree branch, right? Mm-hmm. And uses those horrific little pincers on top of his head to chew through the stem. <laughs> Timber. <laughs> Timber. What's that? That's in your seatbelts, kids. The ants die for the car. Yeah. This car that hasn't run in probably a century. (laughs) They they are downhill from this peach. And they're dumb bitches. They are. They get in this car. It will not turn over. The peach is literally coming through the walls they've built to keep it in. And rolls down that hill and rolls right over that car. In the book, they die. I know. Wouldn't that have been great? Like, why couldn't they have just died? Like, (laughs) Uh, And it rolls right over them and off the cliff the way they yell when they see it go over the cliff. Uh, Don't skirt past the model village that it has to roll through first. Oh, no, yeah, because it rolls right down off the hill and then it just starts rolling through this little mini village. It, like, rolls along this picket fence and picks the fence up in a spiral. And now it has a boat deck. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And it, t- it tumbles right down to the sea. Alright, everyone's everywhere. <laughs> We're waking up from being knocked out. And, you know, the way that there's already a portal, a portal, there's already a tunnel up to the surface, right? Yeah. And J- and James pushes that little peach door open and, ah, the animated sea. Yeah. <laughs> I love it, man. They're in the middle of the Atlantic. This Veggie Tales ass water. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm loving it. Like... <laughs> so now the question becomes... How do we navigate the ocean? This thing is not equipped with steering elements. And James gets the idea in his head, because he's a very smart little boy, that if we could capture some of these seagulls that are now starting to, you know, encircle the big fruit, maybe they could pick us up and, like a blimp, carry us to New York City. Crocodile tongues is a strong drug. Uh, yeah, I'm yes. telling you what. He <laughs> says we need to make this bitch fly. So using spider string and earthworm as bait to lure the seagulls to tie them to the peach. <laughs> no, no, no. It's so funny because the earthworm's like, what are we going to use as bait? And everybody's just encircling him. <laughs> bird bait? Where do you expect we're going to find bird bait? Out here in the middle of the... the... Oh, no. No, no. Have you lost your minds? Ah! They've lost their minds. Anything but birds. I love him so much. Yeah, I think I think David Lewis's vocal performance is my favorite. <laughs> yeah. In like, this movie. And, you know, they actually lure one, and so they start trying to get more. Yeah. And, guys, new threat drops. Oh, no. This is not in the book at all. And just a creation for the film. This is one of the most out-of-pocket things that's ever happened in a fantasy film. This triggered the fuck out of me yet again. It's a school of tuna. They're being sucked into some sort of machine. 
What do you mean? Take a look. This giant mechanical shark pops up out of the water. Why is there a giant mechanical shark out here? Remember when it, because like I was like, exactly, I was like, what is the significance of this? Is this an old World War II thing? Like, what's going on? Who built this thing and why is it out here unmanned? Well, we're kind of in stop motion world right now, so I think it's just a fantastical element. The noises it's making I could do without. It has an alarm and I hate it! <laughs> Seems to have spotted us. Why is it so scary? Fuck you, Tim. <laughs> Fuck you. It's getting closer! <laughs> the way these seagulls are actually able to lift this peach out of the ocean... Oh, yeah, because the shark is coming at them, and they are running out of time to get out of the ocean. And so Miss Spider and Mrs. Ladybug and all the other bugs, they use her uh, web to create, like, a big net. Mm -hmm. And then as all of these seagulls swoop down on the peach, they throw the net over them and start tying off the seagulls. <laughs> yeah. And then slowly but surely, that peach lifts out of the water. Just as they're about to get away, the harpoon. <laughs> Shark has a harpoon! <laughs> and it's not letting them go anywhere like a <laughs> kite on a string. <laughs> the shark starts pulling the peach in. <laughs> and oh my god, I don't I don't know. Is it Centipede that decides he's gonna try and do something about this? I, he it usually is, yeah. Oh no, he falls. He falls down onto this tether. <laughs> when he's running up the string of the harpoon <laughs> away from it. Because he can see inside the shark's mouth. It's got all of these spinning metal teeth. Indeed, it's indeed. It's horrifying. And they, uh, by the grace of Miss Spider knocking that harpoon out of the peach, they barely get away. That the harpoon flies back into the shark's mouth and the machine explodes. It's really cool. It is cool. Like the, the fact that that's all stop motion animation is I thought that must have taken months. It is actually insane. Like, I can't believe how'd they do it? Very carefully. <laughs> and so now we're on the path to New York. The peach flight theme oh, is yeah. gorgeous. <laughs> When I hear that music, I'm walking down the midway of a fair, and everything's lollipops and sugar dreams. And like, oh my goodness. It's like Bugs Life meets Nightmare Before Christmas. You a know? little bit, yeah. <laughs> so everyone's getting a little hungry. Yeah, because no one thought to bring any food. <laughs> There's not a lot of substantial food. They had to leave quickly, you know. No one seems to realize that the vessel that they are on is a peach. Yeah. <laughs> you know, literally, I think it's James who's like, are y'all crazy? Our whole ship is made of food. Yeah, and like they, when he gives them a one glob to try and everybody's like, this shit is actually fire. Like, oh no, Ross, even just the prop itself looks 
delicious. I carry. <laughs> this is my favorite part of the movie. I, this is also a very enjoyable part for me. Like, it just, it looks so edible. I want to lick it. Lickable. Better than aphids. Mm, better than ladybugs. What? Excuse. It's not dirt. But it's not bad. Not bad. It's the best thing I've ever tasted. And I have tasted a lot. It's time for eating the peach. This is actually taken from the book as well. The actual lyrics of this song are from the book. The This scene is delectable. Oh my god. Eating the peach is a masterpiece of stop motion animation. Oh, there's so many elements in this scene from the, you know, chunks of peach that are always flying through the air or spinning to the liquefied peach elements that have to pour. Great tasty tentacles of octopathy. I like hot dogs, but I love hot dogs. And surely you'll agree. A plate of soil with engine oil's a super recipe. Recipe. I hardly need to mention that it's practically free. We hardly need to mention that it's practically free. When the centipede literally opens a valve of peach viscera for them to enjoy. I want, Carrie, do you know how, oh fuck, do you know how bad I want a Bellini right now? <laughs> oh no. Oh, peach Bellini. Oh, I want one of those things from Cheesecake Factory, the Georgia peach. Yeah. That drink, oh my God. <laughs> not an ad for Cheesecake Factory. <laughs> Definitely not. Fuck those hoes. <laughs> my roommate works for you. You guys suck. <laughs> All right. And just not to mention all of the dancing around that's being done by the characters. Again, I feel the stress rising in my chest thinking about these animators. What was this production period like within the film? <laughs> like, oh no. <laughs> we got to work on the peach set again? Yeah. Again. <laughs> For one small mite. One small mite. One tiny bite. Tiny bite of Everyone is full and asleep. Oh, yeah. And the way Miss Spider is tucking James into her web for the night. It's so appropriate, because, like, obviously she was the first one who knew him. Yeah, this is where James realizes, you're the spider from my window. Yeah. You're my first friend. And, like, normally people are scared of spiders, right? But that's why she likes James, is he didn't try to kill her or squash <laughs> her. You know, even though she's kind of a prickly creature in her own right, she's like, I prefer to be alone. Yeah. <laughs> she still very much enjoys James. Mm -hmm. And it's just, it's a very sweet little scene. You were the spider in my window. Mm -hmm. You were my first friend. I mean, since I went to live with my aunts, they hated me. Shh, do not think of them now. But what if they find us? What if we don't make it to New York? I'll die if I have to go back to the way I was. They can't make me. Nobody can make you do anything, James. And like we're catastrophizing, what if we don't make it? Yeah. I'll die if I have to go back there. And Miss Spider's like, shh, 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 shh. no more thinking. Yeah. <laughs> we want you to have good dreams. And this brings me back to what you said off mic before we came down here about how this movie really is 
a constant struggle for control of the tone of the narrative because we have this very sweet you know, scene that we just saw, and now it's about to get horrifying No, again. that's the thing. It, this is one of the greatest cinematic battles that's ever unfolded on camera. <laughs> Between our confluencers. Yeah, our confluencers. This is a fight to the death for tonal control of this movie between Randy Newman and Tim Burton. <laughs> Tim Burton's like, it's scary, guys. And Randy's like, no, it's not. It's fucking wonderful and about the love of family. Yeah. <laughs> And yeah. Henry Selleck is in the middle, yeah. trying not to get ripped in half. <laughs> like, guys, please don't fight. And James goes to sleep, and we're already in stop motion. Why do we have to then embark on a nightmare? Oh, yeah, no, because this isn't stop motion or live action. This is another form of animation. I'm sure it has a name. It is kind of like stop motion, but it's 2D. Um, I know there's no way you'll remember a little cartoon called Angela Anaconda. It was on the. It was on Nickelodeon, I think, when we were real little. Is this the one with the drawn girls, but the real faces? Yes. I that show is disconfuckingcerting. Yeah, from a visual perspective, guys, I'll drop a link to it in the related media. Go look at it. It might blow some dust off your brain. I feel like it's your generation's version of like what's that show called, Mr. Meaty? Yeah, ah. super uncomfortable. You know, <laughs> that's puppets, so it's different. Yeah. But... <laughs> oh man. James is a caterpillar? Yeah, he's a cute little caterpillar. Eating a peach? And then the aunts show up in that rickety old car with yeah. the insecticide. Sponge is a sponge and Spiker is spiky. I love that. <laughs> the maggot stopping his face with our peach. Get him, Sponge. Ah! You can't crawl away from us. James Caterpillar takes off running from the insecta cloud. Yeah, that is full of rhinoceros. It's just, it's slowly taking the shape of the rhinoceros. And in the background, you can hear the ants going, the rhino will get you. Yeah, no. The um, rhino will get you. Again, severely triggered. Like, Tim? Fuck oh. you, Tim. <laughs> I know this is you, Tim. And he wakes up. And he can, nobody's inside the peach. He goes up outside of the peach, and everybody is mad at Centipede because Centipede, being in a peach coma the night before, <laughs> fell asleep at the helm, and now they've drifted so far off course, they're in, like, the North Atlantic. They're in the Arctic. Like, yeah, seriously, it's like a ship graveyard where all of these ships, like, tried to reach the North Pole and then hit the ice. Very Mary Shelley. Yeah, it is. Very Frankenstein. And Frankenstein. <laughs> Very Frankenstein, yes. And this is Ross's favorite line in the film. I tend to agree because Grasshopper is up front in Centipede's face. He is berating him for allowing this to fucking happen. This is an outrage. You are a disgrace to your phylum, class, order, genus, and species. Say it in English. You, sir, are an ass. Never caught that as a kid. <laughs> he called him an ass. I can remember saying it once and mom going, don't, don't, don't say that. That's not a good word. And I'm like, why is there a bad word in a kid's movie then? Yeah, exactly. And she's like, well, you got me there, you know. See, as a kid, before I started watching things with subtitles, I always thought he said a pest. You, sir, 
are a pest. Which would also make sense. He's a bug. <laughs> Say it in English. You, sir, are an ass. <laughs> and so, like, they're looking at, they literally have no recourse right now. There's no way to get out of here. They have no idea which direction to go because they're at the top of the world. They could end up in Russia if they go the wrong way. And Centipede is obviously no navigator. They need a compass. <laughs> so, to redeem himself... Centipede dives into the icy depths to recover a compass from one of these shipwrecks. Yeah, the whole, this whole next part is underwater, which makes, in this movie, that already makes so much sense. This makes no sense! Well, it's like, they obviously just filmed the stop-motion animation. And then, like, put the shimmer over it. And then they filter it with the underwater feel, you know? And, like, Spider and James go after him. They tether themselves to the peach with spider string. Super risky, if you ask me. <laughs> yeah, they're like, hey, when we give two tugs, just pull us up. <laughs> Centipede <laughs> has come onto one specific underwater shipwreck. He is coming into contact with Captain Jack Skellington. No, guys, I think I said this when we covered Nightmare Before Christmas. They use the same puppet they use for Jack Skellington for this pirate skeleton that's holding the compass. <laughs> it's a fucking centipede's line. He pushes open that cabin door. A skeleton? <laughs> yes. <laughs> very cute, Harry. Very cute. Yes, a skeleton. And then... Uh, yeah, I know. This, I know. This compass is weird, right? Why is it lit up in the middle? I don't know. It's magic, right? Yeah. <laughs> Navigation. Runs on crocodile tongues. <laughs> and he starts, he, he picks up this compass. Thank you, sir. I'll be shoving off now. And he's trying to walk away, but he notices he's not going anywhere. <laughs> because the, the scary Skellington captain has woken up and is pulling him back. <laughs> uh, I should have worn a belt. Tons of sea pirates come out of nowhere, and we're in some trouble. The pirate skeletons are literally in the process of drawing and quartering him when James and Miss Spider arrive on the scene. I kind of need them to do to me what they're doing to him. Yeah, because they just got him tied at both ends, and they're stretching him out. <laughs> yeah. When like... his back cracks, and he's like, oh, that one felt pretty good. <laughs> the comedy in this movie is gold. And then that huge pirate with the axe comes up to cut him in half. <laughs> it's all on you. Coming to cut me some slack. Whoa! Hey, pal, you're aiming a little low. He's gonna cut me in half! Hey, sailors! Looking for some cheeky. James swoops in to barely save him, right? Yeah. <laughs> him and the spider. Like, the, you know, and this battle ensues with trying to get the compass and get it away from the skeletons. Also very, like, technically fascinating. I know. Like, I, would you, We could not work on a film like this. No, we don't have we could the patience. Never, we could never be stop motion animators because... We'd go blind. Yeah. We go, Do you know how many people have probably gone blind thanks to Tim Burton? Like They finally get up to the spire of this ship, and they tug on the string. And as they're being pulled away, Captain Skellington propels himself up and grabs Centipede back off. Aww. And is dragging him back down.
Spider gets James to the surface with the compass. Yeah. And Spider's like, I have to go back for him. And as she gets to the edge of the ice, his little, his little cabbie cap comes up out of the water. I just think she was so cool in that moment because she's hated his ass this whole time. He's been a fucking pest this whole time. But she was so prepared to go back down there and get him. Oh, no, they're in love. You think so? I think so, too. <laughs> I'd like to think of Miss Spider as a lesbian, but... But you think they're doing this whole enemies to lovers type yeah, thing. Yeah, Mrs. Ladybug can be the lesbian. <laughs> and got this death fake out, everybody's so upset. Poor centipede. We saved our lives down there. Look out! Miss Spider! <gasps> I do not know whether to kill you or kiss you. Hey, hey, hey! Yeah, it's him dressed up in Skellington's garb, like... Uh, I do not know whether to kill you or kiss you. <laughs> in the middle of all them talking, I just love the earth one. That's enough chit-chat! I'm freezing! <laughs> yeah, let's get out of here. Let's get out of here before we become statistics. I am earthworm-coded. You are earthworm-coded. <laughs> I'm a- I'm a little earthworm coated. The, okay, so like it's like nighttime, right? Mm-hmm. Once they get going again, they're yeah. back on course. James is sitting, hanging his feet off the edge of that, you know, little deck they have from the fence. Yeah. I shit my pants every time I see that shot of him. Just his little legs dangling <laughs> yeah, over the like, abyss. It's so far down. He's looking at the travel pamphlet. It's changed. The peach has moved in the picture. It's tracking their progress. I wrote, the way the travel pamphlet is tracking their progress is insane, but so is the whole plot. Yeah, so, no, I don't know why we're quibbling. And, like, Centipede has fallen asleep again <laughs> at the helm. Yeah, but Grasshopper's not mad about it this time. Grasshopper comes up to relieve him. You know, your watch has ended. And he gives him a little chair made out of a match matchbox. I love that. Yeah, a little tiny matchbox. And then he gives him a little quilt, or I don't know what it is. <laughs> a blanket. And, like, he lets him sleep, and he starts a playing the violin. This is like the Ma, right? Yes, it is. From, yes. from Miyazaki movies, where you have a really intense scene, and now everything's calm. It's time to ride a train through some clouds. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, Sir James, did, did I disturb you? So sorry. I, I, I'll, 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 I'll put this away. No, no. I like it. Grasshopper's violin is gorgeous. Oh. Oh. And, like, this is when James realizes, you were the one I'd hear every night before I would go to sleep. The violin music. Yeah. Like, from his window. What the hell? I thought I really was just that sad, but no, it was you, you know? When I was sad, I used to climb in bed with my mom and dad. That was a long time ago. I'm sure they'd be very proud of you, James. I know we are. Time to grin and cry at the same time. Oh, no, yeah, this is the part where you and I become inconsolable. This is my favorite song that's coming up. Guys, there's only five songs, and I'm so glad that it's so short and sweet, you yeah. know? like they, they emphasize quality over quantity. Every single one of the songs Randy Newman wrote for this, so- for this film, all five, they have 
the wallop of 10 songs altogether, you know, like... Because this is where, you know, they really start intellectualizing as a group that they are family. And they've all they've got. Yeah. They're all they've got, like... Take a little time. Just look at where we are. We've come very, very far together. And if I might say so... And if I might say so, too... We wouldn't have got anywhere if it weren't for you, boy. And I'm crying. These colossal insects want to be his family, and they want to care about them with their newly found anthropomorphism. It's so dear. They're all so happy to have found each other. I swear to God, it's like looking at our group of queer friends. (laughs) Think of where we'd be. If we were on our own, we'd, we'd be, be dead. dead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I love the earthworm. We'd be dead. <laughs> you know what one of my favorite parts is? What? Come on now, glowworm. Love <laughs> is the strangest thing. Love does exactly what it wants to do. Love. Boy, you know it's true. We're family. We're family. We're family. Without you, there'd be no us. I know. And I'm just... Like, he saved them. He saved them all multiple times. He's a little boy. When they go in for the last part and it zooms out and they're, like, spinning on the peach, like... Yeah, it's like the peach is on this mobile and all these other little planets are surrounding them. It's because they are the center of his universe. I cherish Randy fucking Newman. Yeah. I'm running into his arms in this battle. <laughs> yeah. Tim, I do love you. Yeah. But you're making it weird, buddy. <laughs> that is my general feeling about his a lot of his movies. Like, I'll invite Tim to the party. Uh-huh. He can come to the function, but if he's going to stand in the corner and just mumble <laughs> the way he does... When he sticks his thumb in a pie? Like, I... Little Jack Horner sat in the corner making everyone uncomfortable. (laughs) Making everyone cry. (laughs) Yeah, like... Oh, my God. They find that they have indeed arrived over NYC, the Big Apple. The clouds literally part to show them that they're in New York City. Yeah, and like they're all starting to celebrate like, holy shit, we actually did it, man. Time to shit bricks. (laughs) Yep, we were so happy three minutes ago and now we have to panic again. The wind picks up. It's like so unbelievably upsetting because this is like the clearest visuals we get of the rhino. Yeah. And just this big, colossal, shadowy being that has these glowing eyes and is 
just stampeding towards you. With all of the clouds and the thunder and the lightning. And the noises it's making, like... And James is like, okay, we gotta get to safety. So he has all the bugs climb up into the rigging with the seagulls, like, holding on to the strings. The compass breaks away. Oh, yeah, they're fucked. (laughs) centipede with the comic relief we'll wind up in jersey (laughs) and like you know spiders like james come with us come up here with us and he's like no i am not running from this thing anymore this is a fear that james has to face before we can have our dreams i guess you know That rhino will scare me no matter how old I get. Oh no, Ross, during this, I actually, I got choked up a little bit when he is facing off with this rhino, yelling at it, almost like he's trying to get it, will it to go away. The sound design of this film is so effective. And it's the way when he makes the mistake and says... I'm not afraid of you. Just the way everything turns over in that moment with the music and the sound effects and the, it is bum-rushing him now. Oh, yeah, the rhino's like, oh, you're gonna fuck around and find out, are you? I'm not afraid of you! he's screaming at it right before it gets to him a lightning bolt strikes its horn and it dissipates and then the force of this tears the decking out of the peach yeah all of that fence is just it's spiraling away from the peach as james is running up and around it and it also cuts all the seagulls loose so all the bugs go flying into the sky while he falls into the peach and the peach falls out of the sky Oh, it's so much. It's so much. He wakes up in the dark, and he, like, cough, coughs, and that crocodile tongue jumps out of him. And we come to find we are no longer animated. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And, like, he goes up out of the peach to see where he's landed, how he was not impaled by the top spire of this building, I'll never understand. (laughs) Yeah, I know. He's looking around. He goes, This isn't right. Where's the Empire State Building? He is quite literally on top of the Empire State Building. It's very Kong. The peach, <laughs> the peach has been rammed through in the center by the very spire of the Empire State Building. This comically bad New York City set. Oh no, this is very Tim Burton. It makes me think of the Batman yeah, Tim no, Burton. Yeah, this is Tim Burton. What if it is? If it's what the if same it's just all the same fixtures from the Tim Burton Batman? Like they want us to believe we're outside so bad, but all of the facades of the building look so fake 
Another thing that's happening is the peach, having been severed, is dropping large amounts of peach goo onto people on the street. Peach viscera. One of which is a lovely NYPD officer, <laughs> who I'm going to call Officer Grotty. Okay, fine. <laughs> After his appearance on the, on the office. This one cop... This one NYPD cop who from now until the end of this movie is going to have to litigate this fallout of this situation. He gets pelted by all that beach gunk. What the? He's trying to eat an apple. Officer! There's a boy upstairs! What? A boy? Mabel, we got us a huge unidentified object here. What's it look like? Uh, round, fuzzy, uh, looks sort of like a giant fruit or something. Well, what is it? I don't know what it is! Just send us the biggest crane in New York! They lower this peach and James with a humongous crane down onto this flatbed. And it is indeed a feat. Yeah, no, there's a crowd gathering. The press is gathering. Nobody's seen anything like this ever. James saying to the crane operator, have you seen any gigantic bugs? Oh, <laughs> it's so sad. Please, sir, how do I get to the Empire State Building? You're on top of it, kid. We made it! Well, I made it. Because all the bugs are gone. We don't know what happened to the bugs. Like, yeah, oh my God. They flew away into the storm. It's like in Page Master, right? Yeah. When he loses them all at sea. Like, oh my God. I know. His only friends in the world. His family. <laughs> he lost his family a second time. Youch. I know. That's got to sting. Don't worry, guys. It, it'll come back. Don't worry. James hops down off the peach and like immediately there's a lot of confusion. The com the reporters have a million questions well, for him. Yeah, there's a colossal fruit on a truck in the <laughs> middle of Manhattan. So, <laughs> you know. Before we can really get into any of it, here comes the ants car. Yeah, Spiker and Sponge are fucking here. The car that they were rolled over in is literally rolling up. Yeah, it's all it's still squashed. They open the doors and water spews everywhere onto the street. And they're wet, their makeup is running down their face. They're drowned rats. This is where we have to talk about this. Though so their bog bodies and how they definitely drove across the bottom of the Atlantic to get to New York City. Is that what they really want us to believe? It has to be with all the water. I just, it just makes no sense, but it's also kind of cool well, in a weird way. Well, I think the, the greatness is you thought they couldn't look worse. I know. And now here they are. And can you believe it'll get worse before the end? I... <laughs> and the way James is just like, no way. Come on, man. Is this a horror movie or not? Like, <laughs> their makeup is stunningly effective. And, oh. you know, James is trying to tell everyone his story, mm -hmm. and they're calling him a liar. Yeah. He's delusional. He's got a condition, you know. He stole our peach, and now we're here to take him home. They've got the paperwork. The wet piece of paper saying they're his legal guardians. <laughs> Well, that's why we're here, to bring him home. <laughs> so you come here with us, Luffy. I'm not the one who's lying, they are. As you can see, officer, it is urgent that you release him to us immediately. Let the boys speak! Like, I 
just, I can't believe for even one moment anybody is almost buying this. Look at this sweet little boy. Look at these women. I wouldn't send that boy home with them. When Spiker says this is obviously something he's dreamt up about this gigantic peach voyage with all these fucking colossal bugs. And like, when James says everything starts out as a dream to begin with. Yeah. Like... This city, all of these people, it all started out as a dream. If I was in that crowd, I'd just be like that meme of that girl going, yeah, we're pumping pump her fist. Pumping her fist. I know that's right, James. <laughs> no. And she goes, you're coming with us. No, I'm not. The, the cracking of her head. Come along. You're going home with us. No, I'm not. What did you say? I said... No, I'm not. I hate that house and that cold room, and Hal's always hungry. All right, that's enough. And how you beat me. <laughs> He's lying. <laughs> and tell me I was nothing. <laughs> Shut up. And he's telling everybody that they beat him, that it's hell back where he comes from. No love, no nothing. And this part, this just fills me. This just fills my soul up to the brim and makes the hairs on my arms stand up when he goes, I flew in a giant peach across the ocean. I landed on top of the tallest building in the world. I made it. I'm not the one who's nothing. You are. And I'm never going back with you. Not me and not the peach. How dare you speak to us this way? <laughs> yeah, baby, yes, tell him, you tell him. I made it! You fucking didn't, like... Oh, but then it gets unhinged because Spiker and Sponge grab fireman axes. And start to chop at him. Yeah, because he's on top of the car, right? And they're just taking swings at him. Yeah, but lo and behold, guys, the bugs are alive. Yeah! They come floating down from the sky. <laughs> oh, and all the wind goes out of the aunt's sails. They're like... They're giant bugs! Yeah, like, and we know how they don't like bugs. Woo! We tried a phobia string! Okay, pull them up! Hoist these two bitches up on a crane and roll them up in spider silk. It's so cool because now we're obviously splicing the stop motion with the live action, and uh -huh. it looks really good. It does look good for 96. Yeah, as Grasshopper is kicking them so they'll spin, their wigs fly off. Uh, why'd you have to mention it? I wanted to skirt by it. Oh, like... no, but they're so much uglier. Yeah, you didn't think it would get worse. I didn't think it would get worse, <laughs> but they're just, oh, I hate the sight of them. <laughs> I'll be a... The kid was telling the truth. Get those two creeps out of here! After they're flung away, the reporter's going to the phones. <laughs> the headlines are great. Half-hype hero and his peach pit pal! <laughs> big bugs in the big apple! <laughs> I can't. James introduces his friends... To New York City. <laughs> Nobody is McReady! Everyone! These are my friends! The ones I've been telling you about! Mr. Centipede! Uh, All three 
my pet. Earthworm, Mrs. Ladybug, <laughs> Miss Spider, <laughs> and the Glowworm. God bless the colonies. Can we for me a peach? It won't keep forever. Go ahead. And then he also promptly invites everyone in the street. <laughs> Can we eat some of your peach? <laughs> to eat his house. <laughs> Hungry New Yorkers. Eat my peach! <laughs> that's not what he says, but that's the energy. <laughs> when they turn the colossal pit of this peach into James's Central Park mansion. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love that he's got a place to be. And he's out front with all the kids, telling them stories and shit. He has friends now. Yeah. He's got family. Do you know that they all have familial roles to him? I did not know this. What? Oh, no. Glowworm is his new grandmother. Oh. The grasshopper's his new grandfather. Oh. Earthworm and the ladybug are auntie and uncle. Aww. And his new parents are Miss Spider and Centipede. Oh, I can't. I yeah, Miss Spider like cracks the door open like James. Yeah. Dinner is ready. So I guess, not that this is the part of the movie that makes the least sense, but I guess the city of New York just deemed it perfectly normal to one, allow giant bugs to live unmonitored in Central Park, and two, <laughs> gave them custody of a 10-year-old English child. That's the other thing. I was going to say, this kind of has up vibes, but yeah. I think it's up that has James and the Giant Peach vibes. <laughs> no, exactly. You know what I mean? <laughs> Creepy oh. old man shows up one more time, right? Because he's the narrator. And since James's visitors begged him again and again to hear the story of his adventure with the Giant Peach, he wished for a way to share it with everyone. And that is exactly what you have just seen. Not not us going into his creepy eye for the credit sequence. <laughs> oh no, Ross! No, we gotta talk about the banger. Oh my god! Have you ever been to New Orleans? I, yes, I have. <laughs> I think that's the inspo here for Randy, and I don't know why. Oh, yeah, here comes the jazz band. <laughs> Once upon a time, there was a vulture and a hog Living in a house up on a hill Had this little boy who lived with them And they worked him like a dog With any luck, they'd have him up there still what a great song. And guys, through our credit sequence, you're, you're going to keep it playing, right? It's oh, still playing. Absolutely. Anyway, we see all of these newspapers hitting the screen. Guys, they have famous lives, of course, as colossal insects living in mid-century New York City. Like, I, Ladybug becomes an obstetrician and, like, delivers 300 babies or something? Miss Spider opens up a nightclub. Oh, you know she does. The Spider Club. I, you know she's doing burlesque. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's very, it's very cabaret, like... Mr. Earthworm's got sponsorship deals. <laughs> What's the product? I forget what the product I is. I can't remember. All those women surrounding him. <laughs> like he spuds Mackenzie. Yeah. Guys, the Grasshopper is a famous violinist in the New York Symphony Orchestra. How apropos. The Glowworm becomes the beacon of the Statue of Liberty. <laughs> and guys, the Centipede runs for mayor and wins. 
I'm glad you wrote all these down because <laughs> I didn't. I was too busy enjoying the song. Mr. Centipede lives in Gracie Mansion. <laughs> He's the mayor of New York City. Like, oh my it's, god. It's just such a great end because that little boy's life was so awful. You know, his last little grin when he gets his birthday party headline. Yeah, and all of his bug people are around him and all these other kids. Good news is coming round the corner. Good news is rolling around the floor. <laughs> they care about each other. Good news is sweeping across the country. Good news is spreading all around. Good news is hitting in the city. Up in the town, the things that used to hurt before, they don't hurt them anymore. Cause they know there's something good in the store. Good news, good news, good news, good news. Oh. Redhead lady, gonna <laughs> eat an apple. <laughs> I love Randy Newman so much. And you know what Randy say, if we all work together, we'll make it out okay. Yeah. Good news. Good, good news. news. Good news. I love me some good news. <laughs> we need some desperately in our times. Uh, it's so delightful and scary, guys. It's so tonally confusing, but also perfect. It's delightful. Scalightful. Yeah. Scary and delightful. <laughs> I like that a lot, actually. It's scalightfully enticing. Like, <laughs> oh, guys, that movie's just so core. And yes, it is kind of a repetitive theme in a lot of uh, films that we love is the dreams are important and you have to chase them and not let all of the horribleness of reality let you, you know, stop chasing dreams, of course. And I just, uh, I don't know. Central tenets and themes of this, it's just like the, the scary brutalism mm -hmm. with which his, you know, life is manifesting. I'm just like, it, it gives this like hopelessness that I feel like you don't really identify with until you're an adult. Yeah. You know? The intense loneliness. Exactly. And, and misery. But, like, around the corner, there is always colossal insects waiting to take you across the ocean. Yeah, I think I think what this movie, you know, really made me think about when I was a kid, before I even understood how important it was, was the idea of finding your chosen family. Very much so, yes, you are correct. You know, I I was in big denial about my queerness for most of my young life, and then I got older, and I realized how othered I felt for a lot of my life. Not because my friends treated me differently, but because I just wasn't like them, and we couldn't really relate to each other on certain things, about mm -hmm. certain things, and then I or got... Or even with your blood family. Or even with my blood family. And then I got older... And I started finding other queer people. And there's a deep connection there, the likes of which I can't have with other people. Mm -hmm. And, you know... You choose those people as your family. Yeah. Friends are family we choose. Mm -hmm. I have a cute little gay stone hanging over my kitchen sink that says that. White woman. <laughs> yeah. A white, white woman's, woman's Instagram. Instagram. Big, anyway. big mood, yeah. <laughs> And but you're right. You're absolutely right. I can't believe I wasn't going to mention that. You're right. It is about chosen family. His blood family was literally torturing him. Mm -hmm. So you know what? Time to choose some new family members. 
Hey guys, I'm not saying that my blood family tortured me. But no, 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 no. no. Okay. We love mom and dad. Mom, dad, we love you. <laughs> we really do. We do. You did nothing so horrible. Don't worry. It's okay. <laughs> yeah, like we're going to hear about this at the dinner table later. Sorry, mom. <laughs> It's just, you know, you got to get out there and you got to find your people. Mm -hmm. It it doesn't matter if they're queer people or if they have the same interests as you. You're never getting to that dream without that chosen family. Exactly. You're never getting there without that support. You need that love and support. Unless you're Issa Rae. She did that shit by herself. (laughs) 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 Ain't nobody help her. She's closing all doors behind her. If you didn't make it in, sorry. Yeah. Yeah, no, like... Because it is my birthday month, which is vastly superior to all birthday months done on this show. (laughs) Fuck Leos. (laughs) Do you feel pet? Did you pet? I got plenty of pets, thank you. All right, fine. Well, would you get off one end of my Libra scales, please? (laughs) God. Uh, Okay. No wonder wonder it's so fucking hot. No wonder we're in a heat dome. We're exiting Leo season. Like... (laughs) blame the heat on me. No wonder Canada's on fire. Like, you fire sign. I'm sorry. I won't blame climate change on the Leos. I'm sorry. I won't do that. Guys, next week, we're going to be dipping our toes back into some um, good, bad Shyamalan like I like to like. Uh, Guys, next week, we're going to be talking about a strange film. One with a great message, but a poor execution. (laughs) We'll be discussing... M. Night Shyamalan's 2006 absolute box office bomb, <laughs> Lady in the Water. Uh, With the Paul Giamatti and the Bryce Dallas Howard. Oh no, they're in, they are an enjoyable facet of the film. You know I've got problems with this story. It's okay. Yeah, I get it. You're going to have opinions, and that's okay. But just there are so many things that don't make sense even by the movie's own rules. But I'm really just going to be talking about James Newton Howard for 90 minutes. You so, are. You... He's the best part of the movie. Yeah. James Newton Howard, baby. His full name. I'll tell you what. So very much in the way we did The Village, we're doing Lady in the Water. <laughs> it's my birthday month, and you can't say no. Do you remember? That time I took over the show (laughs) with my September birthday. So look out for that next week, guys. In the meantime, you can go find us on Twitter at Kick and Stream. K-I-C-K-N-S-T-R-E-A-M. You can write the show at Kicking and Streaming Podcast at gmail.com. That's with an and, not an ampersand. And don't forget, folks, please be practicing the three R's. Rate, review, retweet. Rate, review, retweet, folks. We want everyone to come and join this little watch party. More quality content coming to you from Kicking and Streaming. Until then, I'm Carrie. I'm James. (laughs) And as always, sorry, Mom. Mom.